Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, host Mike Niemer will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education's important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer. This is the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I'm your host, Ron Culver, and with me, as always, is the CEO of eRenewable, Mike Niemer. On today's episode, Mike is joined by co-founder and CEO of Energy Vault, Robert Picconi. But before we jump into that conversation, let's hear from Mike's better half, COO of eRenewable, Ann Niemer. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Thanks, Ann. Now here's Mike with the co-founder and CEO of Energy Vault, Robert Picconi. Welcome to The Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. This is Mike Niemer, your host today. I am pleased to welcome Robert Picconi, co-founder and CEO of Energy Vault, to our show. Robert, how are you today? Mike, I'm doing well, thank you, and thanks for having me on here. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, it was funny as uh, we were talking beforehand, you know, we haven't crossed paths in our energy lives, but yet we have several hundred common connections uh, on our LinkedIn pages, and many of those have all been guests on my show. So welcome to joining the club. Thank you very much. I've had uh, the, uh, the privilege to listen to some of those and especially the relevant ones here. So uh, I appreciate to be included in that group now. Well, it's my pleasure having you on. Like with all first-time guests to the show, um, I'd like you to introduce yourself to the listener by telling a little history behind you, then a little history behind your company. And as you're finishing up about the company, we'll go ahead and take off into our conversation about energy vaults and energy storage. So with that said, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I started my career in, in oil and gas. Uh, actually in what uh, a company that many people might remember, Amoco, uh, before the merger with British Petroleum back in the 90s, uh, and, and really uh, had focused there because also in uh, undergrad college, I worked for Mobile Oil and got involved in in the global integrated oil side, uh, which was fascinating for me coming out, of, coming out of undergrad and was able to get a lot of global exposure in projects and chemical manufacturing, chemical engineering, uh, and then in the later 90s, very interesting, this thing uh, called the Internet started to evolve and uh, just fascinated me in terms of how uh, data was transforming and the communication of data was transforming how we interact, how we operate, uh, business models, and and really something that uh, just fascinated me with the use of software and the impact software could have, uh, whether that be in disruption or in efficiency and generally in business. So I uh, went back to graduate school post the merger with uh, British Petroleum Amoco and and shifted into telecommunications for uh, Bell Labs, one of the larger uh, U.S. telecommunication network infrastructure companies, uh, and progressed my career also through uh, network management, network software security uh, through various uh, companies, including Danaher uh, as well. And, um, and then came full circle back into energy, but renewable energy through a relationship I built with someone named Bill Gross, who's the founder and chairman of Idealab, 
which is the longest running and arguably the most prominent technology incubator in the United States. They're based in Pasadena, California. And I met Bill because he was reaching out uh, in a CEO search he had for one of his solar energy companies. Uh, and the timing didn't work out on that particular opportunity, but it got us in touch. And we developed a relationship over the next seven to eight years and what he was doing and, and innovating relative to renewables and, and eventually storage. And that's what eventually got us together to actually uh, create our first company together, Energy Vault, back the end of uh, 2017 uh, as we founded the company. Well, you know, Energy Vault, you know, when you look at some of your press releases and your website and everything, you've got a pretty good story to tell, okay? And so I know you guys focus on utility scale energy storage systems. Why don't you tell the listeners what that phrase actually means? Tell them, uh, you know, about the utility scale energy storage systems. Well, we generally focus on storage. Our mission is around decarbonization broadly, but, but with a real focus on how to store electrons in particular from intermittent sources of energy. So renewable sources of the sun or from the wind turbines. Uh, we focus on how to store those electrons that are created when they're not needed and then discharge them uh, economically and sustainably back to the grid when the demand is high all with, of course, a focus on having renewable energy replace uh, traditional fossil fuel that while uh, we all know uh, some of the issues with greenhouse gas emissions from them, uh, the benefit of them is that they're very predictable and reliable. So if we're gonna turn those things off and go to renewable, we better have uh, an economical and sustainable way to store uh, the renewable energy when it's not needed um, because it is not predictable. Uh, and have that take over uh, as we shut down fossil fuels. So that's what we do uh, broadly. We started in our development thinking about the longer duration storage, knowing that the grid eventually, as renewables became a higher percentage, or that intermittent energy source became a higher percentage uh, of, of grid energy, that you were going to need longer duration. So we started and developed uh, a very innovative software platform that could automate uh, a lot of the storage that we were looking at and focused on gravity, something that's known in 90% of all energy storage today are these large pumped hydroelectric dams. So we wanted to get to market quickly with something uh, that's known, but innovate with different uh, things like material science to avoid the use of concrete, but to mirror this process of lifting and lowering, in this case of bricks, in, in our case versus water, like in pumped hydro dams uh, and electric systems uh, and, and do that fully automated by software and something you could basically build anywhere. So that's how we have started with the company and then developed as, uh, as we developed as a company and became closer with customers, understanding their needs and, and the ongoing need for this shorter duration market of two to four hours of storage, which remains most of the market today, over 90% of the market of new storage are these solutions that uh, help shift this energy. Uh, so we uh, leveraged our software platform and some hardware, some innovative hardware to also address the short duration market with lithium ion batteries. And uh, last year announced something very innovative, another first of a kind of backing up a whole city uh, with a renewable power source that otherwise would use diesel generation or uh, in the best case, natural gas. Uh, instead, we proposed uh, a backup system using green hydrogen. Uh, and this is a first of a kind system for Pacific Gas and Electric up in 
wine country. So up in the city of Calistoga, which you may have heard of, where every year there they, before. Yes. Every every year they they go through uh, the fire season, bring in diesel gen and and have issues in shutting down the grid at times. Uh, we are building now the first and the largest one announced in the United States. We we believe in the world. Uh, of a, a green hydrogen backup system uh, that'll give eight and a half megawatts of power uh, over multiple days if needed in any planned or unplanned shutdown of the grid. So that's a sort of an overview of our of a short duration, long duration with gravity and ultra long duration multi-day where we use green hydrogen. Well, let me take you back uh, to your short dura duration where you were talking about two to four hours with regards to uh energy availability using a battery. Uh, just to explain to some of our newer listeners, we've heard it all before, especially when uh, Texas had its freeze a couple years ago. Uh, battery storage didn't produce as much as what everybody expected. Uh, what happens with battery storage listeners is, in theory, to make it simple, and, and Robert, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, the, the, bad, the guy that owns the battery can pull from the grid at the cheaper price in the middle of the night, then in fact use that power at the more expensive time of the day in the middle of the afternoon, whether it's for two hours to four hours, and then refill it again at night when it's cheaper and just keep that cycle going. Is that kind of the quick sum definition think, of it? I think at a high level, I, I wouldn't add anything to that. It, it's, it's charge it when the prices are low and discharge it back out when the prices are high or when demand is high, which theoretically should be the same thing. Okay, and so now that's that's the, the quick definition on short term. Now you expand it all the way to the ultra long with regards to green hydrogen. Well, what's the middle group between between the battery and the green hydrogen? Yeah, great question. Uh, that middle group is what typically is considered a long duration energy storage. You'll see the term LDES that's used in the industry and that, you know, we sort of believe in the industry is solidified around anything that's above four hours um, that, that might be pushing to six hours, but let's say four hours up to say 12 plus hours in that range is considered long duration energy storage. And uh, th that's important because those longer durations uh, can be needed, for example, to power industrial processes, uh, things that go 24 seven. So requirements like a desalination plant, for example, they can use solar during the day, but to run efficiently, they have to run all night. You don't want to shut them down. Uh, and so you need a longer duration storage to be able to power an asset, um, you know, overnight. And, and so that this four to 12 area, 12 hour range is one that is going to be more important as uh, intermittency becomes more prominent or renewal, renewables become more prominent on the grid. And will also be important for industrial processes, as I mentioned, but also the production of green hydrogen. So uh, it, while green hydrogen can be used itself as a an ultra long duration or backup um, storage uh, mechanism uh, to make green hydrogen, you can also use the sun and electrolyze water. So you add an, a, an electrolyzer, use power from the sun, but you have to power that process 24 seven. So you need long duration storage because when the sun goes down, you have to still power electrolysis. And so that's another application where long duration storage is important for the production of a green energy source, in this case, green hydrogen. And we announced uh, a very large project for sustainable aviation fuel 
uh, with DG Fuels that's under a DOE loan or Department of Energy loan process, where in fact, they're going to use our gravity energy storage to do just that. Well, with regards to long duration storage, as we kept short duration real simple because it's a bad rain, we explained how they can easily fill it up at night and they use it during the day. What makes up, what components are making up that, uh, that long duration storage? Sure. And look, in our case, I'll start with our case, but then I'll give you other technologies as well. In our case, we're using gravity. So we're mirroring these pumped hydroelectric dams, but instead of water and damming up rivers, for example, or you know, doing things from various reservoirs, um, we build a structure that lifts and lowers composite blocks. They aren't made of concrete. We can make them from the dirt, from the excavation alone, let alone waste materials like coal ash. So there's a very interesting circular economic way that we that, that we build these composite blocks. And essentially, we're lifting those blocks with the excess energy from wind and solar when it's not needed or when it's cheap. Go back to the battery analogy. So we can take any energy source. It doesn't have to be renewable. Uh, and then when this, the power is needed, we essentially lower those blocks that turn a motor generator and discharge that electricity to the grid. So that's that's how we're doing the long duration with gravity and, and these composite blocks. Now, there's other ways to do it. You can compress and then decompress air. Um, and that can be in the form of gas, that can be in the form of a liquid. So that process will generate, uh, allows you to store and then, and then generate electricity. Um, uh, typically that way of storing energy is very inefficient, meaning for every unit of, of power that you store, you're only giving back let's say 60% or 50 to 60% of that unit. So there's a measure called efficiency or round trip efficiency in that storage process. That's an important uh, criteria. Um, for us, for example, with our gravity energy, we do between 80 to 85%. So we have a high efficiency, uh, lithium ions closer to 86 to 87% as an example. So it, it's really important to be in the, in the 80s if you can. Um, other ways people do long duration, there's a company doing it with um, uh, storing uh, and compressing CO2. Um, there's uh, zinc air batteries, for example, so other chemistries that are you know, better for longer duration. Uh, so, so there's other um, uh, types of uh, solutions and technologies that also do long duration, but they're basically focused on trying economically and sustainably uh, have a storage mechanism that can be charged over four, six, eight, ten hours, and then discharge over that same period. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. Now, when you're putting any of these energy storage systems in place, I'm assuming like any new build additionality to the grid, you've got to go through the same permitting process. You've got to get the same interconnection agreements with all the grids. And you still have that same process that a uh, solar farm would have to put in. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's fair. Any any asset that's going to be discharging electrons back into the grid will have to follow uh, that same process. And and this is a great point, um, Mike, because to to be bankable technology that's going to be financed, um, you have to have something proven uh, and grid interconnected. So when we when we built our first iteration of our gravity energy storage in Switzerland, we did a full five megawatt system and grid interconnected it. So it was important to demonstrate and have the data 
to talk to utilities, the, the ultimate, let's say, test or threshold for energy storage is to be utility or grid scale. And that not only means size, but that also means quality and having something that a utility, which is, let's say, perceived in the market as being one of the most conservative organizations because they're providing critical power to all of us, <laughs> to all of to businesses, to residential. Um, so they can't take risk. Uh, so it's really important when you're doing a new technology that you have a way to test it uh, and integrate it in something that's on a uh, on a public grid uh, if you want to serve the, the utility market. In the short term and long term uh, storage systems, who's typically your customer besides for the CNI customer that would have an interest in having those things? Sure. Our our first set starts with uh, utilities themselves. So we just turned over a 440 megawatt hour system. So 220 megawatts of power over two hours means 440 megawatt hours of energy um, and storage to Nevada Energy. So they're owned by Berkshire Hathaway uh, right. and Berkshire Renewables. Um, so that's a utility. Uh, we also turned over a system uh, earlier this year in California earlier, I should say last year in the in the summer, to Wellhead Electric, which operates peaker plants and is a an independent power player or IPP, like Jupiter Power is another one that we're building a system and just commissioning a system for in Texas. That's a 200 megawatt hour system. So those are uh, players that will that are independent in the sense that they aren't a direct utility, but they typically would either serve a merchant market or they will have long term uh, pulling agreements or, or PPA, power purchase agreements, where they're selling at certain timeframes to a utility. So those are those are two buckets, two, two customer sets I'd put in a first bucket. We also serve uh, industrial uh, players. So we will serve players that are trying to electrify their operations or make a clean energy transition off of fossil fuel. So we announced one of our investors is Korea Zinc, and they have the largest um, production of zinc, also, by the way, silver and lead in the world. Uh, they're in Australia, their operations are in Australia, and they're electrifying their zinc operation. And they invested in us and into our IPO uh, to use long duration energy storage to help them make green hydrogen and also power their operations. Um, and they have a large energy company called Arc Energy in Australia as well. So industrial users that are making a transition are also customers of ours. That includes a mining company like BHP, which again is an investor in Energy Vault. Um, so any of those industrial players is another subset. And then there's a final subset of customer that um, are some of the new uh, up and coming groups that are making um, new green fuels. For example, green jet fuel is powered uh, in the case of DG fuels is using green hydrogen that's made from our long duration storage, solar and an electrolyzer. Um, so that's a company that's making a sustainable fuel and using our long duration energy storage to make green hydrogen. So th that's, a, uh, I guess, the new fuels or green fuels area is another uh, customer set for us. Well, very good. Uh, well, before we go, uh, why don't we go over your uh, green hydrogen project with PG&E? It's uh, fascinating to read about, give you an opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit about it. Sure. This was a a fascinating one because it was one uh, that 
the RFP from PG&E came out two or three times because they were looking for a solution and ideally a sustainable solution to have a, a backup system for the city that had suffered from fires and also therefore a lack of power provided by the utility and, and even created a, um, uh, some, I'd say at a minimum, tension and anxiety between the town and the utility. Um, they did not specify green hydrogen. So it's not like we responded to an RFP. We actually creatively on our own, uh, we, we have a, a team that just loves to solve problems and solve the customer problem, not just shove a solution that we make down somebody's throat, <laughs> but actually look at what problem are they trying to solve and what combination of assets, whether ours or a combination of ours and someone else's or other technology can we use to best uh, sustainably and economically solve that problem. And that was the case here where we, with our, our knowledge internally um, of hydrogen uh, and looking at a solution where we could economically use uh, green hydrogen, uh, put in a fuel cell there uh, and have that system be on standby and needed for a backup with a little bit of lithium ion. So we actually integrated a small amount of lithium ion for, for Black Start and some ancillary power needs there. So we integrated that with our software platform across those multiple technologies. So lithium ion and green hydrogen and a fuel cell um, to serve that backup need. And now the city uh, and having been on some of the, the city council calls myself, I listened into them when they had the town halls to go over and approve uh, uh, the, the permitting um, they're just so happy to, for the first time, be getting a solution that not only isn't going to have the greenhouse gases from diesel generators, which is what they used to use, but even the noise itself and the and um, uh, you know that was a, a big problem during that time, and just having the surety of of having a system that will be there when they need it in the event they need it, whether fires or other other planned maintenance events. So it was a really a I think a big win win uh, for PG&E for the residents of. Calistoga, and uh, I think a new innovation that we were happy to be a part of. Well, congratulations to you and your team. That uh, uh, That's uh, fascinating to hear, and it's terrific to see the ingenuity you guys took to be able to figure out how to structure that deal, because if I'm not mistaken, that's the largest green hydrogen long-duration storage system in the United States. Is that correct? It is. It's the largest one announced, and it'll be the first one online. It's scheduled to be online in June this year. So uh, I, I really love that about what we're doing. It's not just announcing things or talking about what we're going to do, but we're actually building them and delivering them because that's where our passion is, which is making an impact, um, delivering something that's going to make an impact in the world and, and feel really good about that. That's just great. Robert, thank you so much for joining me on The Green Insider today. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. And we'll look forward to your future uh, episodes as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you for that. This is Mike Niemer, and thank you all for listening to The Green Insider, Powered by Renewable. Have a great rest of your day. A very special thanks to Robert for joining the podcast today. And thank you all for listening. As a reminder, if you are not yet a subscriber to The Green Insider podcast, what are you waiting for? Become one today from wherever you receive your podcasts. And remember, leave us a five-star rating.